you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today I'm thrilled to have Jason Sherman on the show. Now he's a successful entrepreneur. He's an award-winning filmmaker. He's a published author, a tech startup expert, and a journalist. He's been featured by several media outlets, including the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, The Verge, and ABC News. Jason is fluent in Spanish, is a classically trained violinist. So we're going to have a good conversation today because i'm a violist oh cool and uh was featured a feature speaker on fox futurist tv show exploration earth 2050 now jason runs a web and mobile development shop and a film studio from philadelphia he guest lectures at many universities and his methodologies on entrepreneurship and data-driven decisions are his main source of education to those that he helps he wrote the book, Strap on Your Boots, which is the accumulation of his life's work. And he also has his course available to students on Udemy. And I'm sure he'll talk a little bit more about that. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks, Kim. I'm happy to be here. So, Jason, it's your first time on the show. Why don't you take a few minutes, introduce yourself, share a bit of your business story with us. Sure. It goes back years. I was always an entrepreneur growing up as a kid, I'm sure everyone has their story of being a kid and creating cool stuff. I was one of those kids building games or always using my hands. And then as I got into high school and college, I kept wanting to create new things. So I started businesses, whether it was um, product oriented or service oriented, and I was always an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Then as I grew up and I came into the real world, I realized I have to make money because <laughs> <So>, uh, <laughs> I can't keep doing this stuff for free. So I started uh, turning my ideas into businesses and I realized that I wasn't really, I guess, fulfilled in one particular industry. So I come from a computer background, technology, but I liked writing. I liked making movies. I liked music. I liked all sorts of things. And so I began learning how to navigate different industries, whether it's learning how to write a book properly, learning how to use equipment to make a movie, uh, learning how to produce music that could be played on the radio, every single type of thing. And then of course, iPhones were invented and I started to really tinker away with building apps. So over the years, we'll say now about two decades, I learned how to navigate each of these industries and figure out a way to work in all of them at the same time. Mm -hmm. and what that means is I might have to make, uh, you know, while I'm building an app, for example, Spinner, uh, I have to create videos for the content. I'm not just putting up regular run-of-the-mill videos that you see online. I'm trying to make cinematic productions mm -hmm. that tell a story, right? So writing has a storytelling element. A video is the videography section of it. And mm -hmm. then of 
music, right? Because you really can't use commercial music that very, very easily. So I can make my own music to put in. So I feel like I've used all the skills together and that's kind of where I am today. That is cool. That is cool. What would you say has was one of the hardest parts of your journey? The hardest part of my journey, I'm not going to lie. It was how long everything took. People expect to just get things done overnight, right? They're like, yeah, I want to get this done. I want to do this. I want to build this new business. They see these overnight successes. There's no such thing as an overnight success. No. I mean, the ones that you see, they look like they're overnight, but they spent years developing their skills. Uh, People always like to point out people like Justin Bieber, right? Usher found him on YouTube. But how many years was he practicing instruments, learning how to sing, practicing, practicing, making videos? It wasn't two days. It was like, five to 10 years, you know? So he just started very young. Exactly. His mom started pushing instruments on him, but that's a great point is the younger you start, the more successful you can be because you have more time to gain the skills you need to. Mm -hmm. And I guess, I I guess I always felt like the challenges for me were like, Oh, I got to put in another 10,000 hours to learn videography. I have to put in another 10,000 hours to learn how to write a screenplay, 10,000 for this, 10,000 for that. And at the end of the day, I got a hundred thousand hours worth of skills, but now I'm middle-aged, you know, and I'm like, where did all the time go? <laughs> so that, that to me was the biggest frustration. I can understand that. I've actually been an entrepreneur for over 20 years, but it's only been in like the last five or six that I really just started to get into my groove and really start to see results. It took me a long time. I mean, mind you, I was, I was raising a family. So it's not like I had hours a day to devote to entrepreneurship, right? It was. You were running like, a human business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You were in the business of factory babies. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I considered it an honor raising them. And I, to me, that that's probably the best thing I've ever done in my life is raised my children well. Uh, my son is married. I have grandbabies. Wow. And, Congratulations. Um, you know, children sometimes can be really difficult, but your grandbabies are the reward for everything you went through raising your kids. <laughs> you get and to be the fun grandmom. I have a almost four-year-old and a seven-month-old, but the four-year-old man, oh man, he just knows how to make Nana's heart smile. So, Aww. and the other one's too little yet, but he just, I just want to kiss his little cheeks. That's so, so cute. cute. But that, that was the reward, but it wasn't, you know, until I had, you know, I was in my forties that I had the time and had had enough experience over those years to be able to kind of finally put everything together and start a business that worked that I could see some results in. It was very frustrating for me all those years of working and you know, it's not that I didn't get any results, but it definitely wasn't what I wanted. Yeah, it takes time. And that, that you're speaking to the frustration that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like I spent 20 years getting all the skills and learning and making mistakes and building my processes and methods until finally one day I'm like, oh, it all works. Now I have a business. It's now I know how to do this, but why did it have to take 20 years? So I I wish people understood that. I think that's the biggest take home today for anyone watching or listening is that being an entrepreneur is a lifestyle. Picking up skills and starting a business takes years. You're not going to succeed on the first try. So just, you know, try to make mistakes as quickly as you can to learn from them. And the journey is really what you have to enjoy, not the destination. They they say that in all the quotes is to, it's enjoy the journey, not the destination. And I've tried my best to do that. 
it's it's hard, but I've tried. I agree. Like I, you know, and I think something that as entrepreneurs is, is we cannot gauge ourselves or compare ourselves to someone else and, and their journey and, and what they've been through. Maybe they had some advantages. I mean, one of the things that I cried out for in those early years of entrepreneurship was to find a mentor, a person who would mentor me. And you, you would think it wouldn't be hard, but it was. Yeah. You know, I joined several different different types of companies where you kind of ran your own business. And I would, in the interviews, I'd say, I want, I'd interview leaders and say, okay, I want you to mentor me. I will do what you tell me to do, but you've got to teach me. And then I would join, I'd get the basic whatever training, you know, and, you know, it wasn't until I joined one specific company that they, they had a manager whose job was to mentor people. And that was, that that was the start. That was the catalyst for you. Yeah. You know, and you mentioned people, uh, they, they see what's out there and they want that they want, they compare themselves, you know, and it's funny, we live in an age today where we hold the power of computers in our hands. We have internet access with the entire knowledge of history. We have AI as an assistant. We have space travel. I mean, I can go on with the amount of craziness that sci-fi world we're living in. So what has happened to people is because they're so used to now having this space age, you know, sci-fi lifestyle, they now just get envious of the, of the have it's the have versus the have nots. Like you have this comfortable life according to the 1800s people back then were starving you know dying at an early age we're living to 100 years old with food available by the push of a button so now they're like well i want that now and i want that now and it's you know it's you you got to be happy and comfortable with what you do have and realize that we do live in an extremely powerful age you know this is just yeah. the, the era of knowledge well you know even in today's world if you live in North America, you're richer than 95% of the world. Yeah, exactly. So stop complaining I, about things. I mean, you could be one of the poorest people in North America and still have still. more than the rest of the world does. Yeah. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there are people in North America who go hungry. Sure. Okay, I'm, I'm not saying that they aren't, but you know, their hunger compared to the hunger of the rest of the world. The starvation. Yeah. Yeah. There's hunger and then there's starvation. Hunger is like you had some food, but not enough. Starvation is you haven't had food for four days. You know what I mean? So uh, it's a big difference. Plus, we have access to much more here, which mm-hmm. you know brings us to kind of the topic that we're discussing about the ability to succeed in North America. Once again, I mean, there's just so many more opportunities here. And with the abundance of technology, you know, if I go back 10 years when I built one of my first apps and it goes back even further, 13 years, it was difficult mm-hmm. infrastructure. I had to build everything from scratch. Technologies were brand new. iPhones were brand new. Camera technology was brand new. People didn't know what to do. And it was just very difficult and very expensive. Yeah. But as time went on five years, 10 years now, it's like you can snap your fingers and have an app up and running because there's open source code iPhones are powerful. Cameras are powerful. You've seen social media grow and be devastating. So you know what not to do, you know, and now you know how to build something that can actually help the world versus hurt the world. People today building something have a huge advantage over us being that we lived through the internet 
and iPhones and social media. We had to live through all of the, the goods and the bads. So now we, the people nowadays, they can just pick and choose the, the good stuff. You know, people, I think in North America, I don't think they realize sometimes how blessed they are. Our pastor is spending at the time of this recording, spending three weeks in Africa ministering down there. And it's very hard to keep in touch with them because they have several power outages a day. Wow. When, when you think about that, like I have, okay, with the exception of very bad weather and occasionally power lines going down, I do live in Canada. Okay. It's a factor, right? <laughs> um, I live on the East coast, which is very windy. So, you know, these things are a factor, but that's rare and few and far between. And, you know, yeah, occasionally the power will blip, but you know, when you have several, when you have spend more of your day without power than you do with power or internet, you know, or any of these things, like, I think we're so blessed in North America to have these things so readily available that we can build a business. Yeah. I think you really hit the nail on the head. People take for granted what we have and they complain about the little things. People like to say first world problems. And it's so true. I mean, when I go to the grocery store, I, I hear people complaining about, you know, that scarf being too tight. I'm like, really, Linda? I mean, people don't even have scarves in other countries. So so it's, uh, you know, I totally understand. And that's one of the good things about what you're saying about what we have available to us. If you're going to build a new business, a new, let's say a new app, like I did with Spinner, the speed from validating the concept to launching a beta to get tested, to launching to the public and to now getting users and growing was from like back in the back in the day, like maybe it took a year or two to like three to six months. Big shift, big shift, you know? And and so, you know, the biggest, I guess the, another take home here for people is because how to effectively figure out your target market. You have to always say to yourself, who are you solving this problem for? See, and this is different. It's a different question. Before it used to be, what's the problem you're solving? That was like the original startup idea it was like, well, what problem are you solving? You know, with Airbnb, it was like, well, people don't like hotels and they want to rent people's houses. Okay, great. That's, is that a problem? Not sure, but it works. So it's not really as much, what is the problem you're solving? Who are you solving it for? In my case, I realized during the pandemic that people didn't have friends People were tired of dating apps. Social media has completely destroyed the world. We've already seen this happen. It really has messed things up. Mental health is down the drain. Emotions are down the drain. Depression. People are suicidal. I mean, I can go on and on. Things have gotten really dire with the pandemic. So we realized there's no place to meet new friends based on the same hobbies you have. So a light bulb went off and said, I'm solving this problem for people who are isolated. I'm solving this problem for people who don't know where to go out and meet new friends, maybe they're introverts, maybe they're married and they don't know how to meet new friends because once you're in a relationship, what do you do? What if you move to a new city? Mm -hmm. How do you meet new people? What if you work from home? How do you meet new people? So I thought about all these different situations and said, I'm solving this problem for those people. That's how you figure out who your target market is. And then as you know, you start posting ads leading to landing pages and seeing if you get people signing up, you post some social media content, see if people like what you're putting out, you get a beta. You always want to launch a very minimal viable product of MVP. 
which means you want to launch your bare minimum features and see yeah. what people say. And we did that for about 500 people and we got great feedback. Some features they liked, some features they didn't like, some features we were missing that they wanted. And we catered to all of that. We, we tweaked and iterated and yeah. back and forth, back and forth, back and forth till finally we found the sweet spot. That's how you do it. That's really the nutshell in how you do this. I really liked what you said there, Jason, because instead of trying to get everything perfect, and I think that's what happens is we think we've got to get everything perfect to begin. No. By the time this airs, we're recording in March, but by the time this airs in May, the author to authority community will be up and running. Awesome. And I will make sure that that the link is in the show notes, but I'm just developing it now. But like you, I'm going to put the bare bones, basic stuff in get people using it, get the feedback so that I can know what kind of community do they want. Right. Ask the market what they want. Exactly. And then give it to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Because your ideas might be great, Kim. My ideas might be great as well, but they're just our ideas. Yeah. You know, we need to know what the 8 billion people out there, what they think is a good idea. So plus they like to be involved. You know, they feel like it's more of a community. They feel like they're heard. A lot mm -hmm. of apps and websites, they don't listen to you. They just put out whatever they want. And then people complain later on. We're doing it the opposite. We're saying, let's do damage control early on. You tell us what you want. We put it in there. Then you're happy. Yeah. Completely, completely different situation. You know, it's funny with you saying that it makes me think about some of the clients that work with at RTI Publishing when we design their covers for them. So usually we design two or three or four covers, no more than four, but I always say to the client, I said, you need to put this out on social media and get the feedback. I mean, yeah, they get family and friends, but, you know, a lot of these people have audiences on social media that have the target market in it. And they'll say, but I really love this one. And I said, yeah, you you, you do. Doesn't mean your, your target market does. You know, that's a good point. And I'll tell you why. We didn't realize the types of markets that were out there until we did what you just said. So we started posting different ads, different videos and, and finding and going to events in person. Local mm -hmm. events are very important. And we started finding a niche market that we did not explore. Couples, couples in relationships. We didn't even think of that. We were targeting just regular one, you know, one person at a time, but couples you know, a wife and a husband, for example, the wife likes to go play tennis and the husband likes to go hiking or whatever. They don't like the same exact hobbies. So they want to find people that like their hobbies. So she likes crafting. He likes pickleball, whatever it is, you know, so yeah. we didn't realize it. We had to find out. So you think, yeah. you know, your market, you don't know your market. You got to find out what it is by doing what Kim just said and post, get feedback, find out who's commenting on your stuff. Talk to them. Yeah. Get information from them. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and to be honest, it's amazing what feedback you get when you ask, because with some of the covers we did, people made suggestions that were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I looked and I went, wow, that's some suggestions. You're like, oh, come on. Like, seriously, did you actually look at it? <laughs> You got to take the good with the bad. I mean, you, you might get 10 bad ideas and you might get one good idea, but that one good idea, it matters. It matters. And, you know, I think one of the things I figured out, because I've been, you know, doing publishing now, well, it'll be seven years in July, is it took me probably two, a good two years to really nail down tight my target market. And then even in the last year or so, it didn't change dramatically, but it did, it did shift a little bit. And I, I think that's, 
that's something else too, is the fact that, you know, you may start in one target market, but it doesn't always mean that you stay there. Yeah, absolutely. We started finding a, a target market just about two weeks ago. I mean, we're talking, we launched in August, so almost a year now. And just think two weeks ago, we found another target market. I know I mentioned mental health being a big problem, but we didn't realize how many people out there really were hurting and wanted to be in a community. So we found that people suffering from isolation, mental health, maybe it's a social anxiety. It's a big yeah. one. People who don't like to go to events, people don't, you know, they don't know how to meet people. We're mm -hmm. finding that that's one of our biggest markets right now. We had no idea. We were just talking to people who wanted to meet new friends based on hobbies. We didn't know it was like, oh, mental health and couples and, you know, who knows what the next one's going to be. We might find a community of LARPers who want to do cosplay together. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're open to everything at this point. <laughs> Jason, I want to just shift gears here because um, you have authored a book. So I want to ask you the question that I ask every single author that comes on this podcast. Sure. What was the good, the bad, and the ugly of publishing that book? You know, I'm not going to say there was a bad or an ugly. I know that it's not really cool to say that because you're like, well, I want the bad and the ugly, but I'm going to tell you something. The book came out of almost five years of helping entrepreneurs on a daily basis over and over and over again, over and over. It was a broken record of helping entrepreneurs. And I realized, wow, I'm getting a bit tired of this because it was so repetitive and I was getting bored with it. And it was kind of like just repeating the same thing. So, of course, I just packaged it basically mm -hmm. into a book that now I could hand to an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. and, and at first I wasn't even selling it. I guess you could say the bad and the ugly would have been that I, I really went into it without the thinking of I'm going to make some money off this. It was more like I just want to get people off my back. So it was like, here's the book read it. That's what I would have taught you in a much more in-depth way. And it started to work. Mm -hmm. So I think what the good was, was the area universities, UPenn, Wharton, Temple, Drexel, all these big colleges in, in Philadelphia recognized the value it was providing their entrepreneurship students. Then I was approached by some PhD students at Wharton at UPenn saying, hey, we really think you should create a course based on your book to teach to our entrepreneurship department. It took me six months, called it Startup Essentials, based on the book, but again, more in depth, more visual, yeah. uh, more hands-on. It's kind of a, a complement to mm -hmm. the book. They go hand in hand. Taught that to 300 students for you know, about two years. Again, amazing results. And I feel like now, now that it's online, you know, I'm no longer doing it at the colleges. Now it's online. Anybody can take it, the book, anyone can get it. It's just a much more realistic way to start a business. Mm -hmm. And I say realistic because there are a lot of gurus out there selling $5,000. Quote, unquote. <laughs> quote, unquote, because these, they call themselves gurus. They're, they're a sham. They make all their money off of your off the books or off the classes. My book is super cheap. The class is super cheap. I usually give it away anyway. I always give it away. So I don't really care. I never really made money on it. It's not about that. For me, it's like, how many people can I help? And yeah. I help so many people from that. And you don't have to spend any money when you do these. The, the, the book and the course is more about hands-on work that you do to mm -hmm. get the results. Yeah. You know, 
versus yeah. like versus telling you a story how my rich uncle gave me a million bucks and I bought real estate and got rich. That's that's not helpful. No. That's just not helpful. But that's what the that's what the books tell you. They tell you about oh, yeah. like, well, I bought stocks at an early age or I bought real estate at an early age. No, no, no. I put you to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing is, what they don't tell you is, is they had someone backing them. Exactly. This is meant for so, you to do with no backing. So th this is great. You know, yeah, hey, yeah, you got into real estate when you were in your 20s. But the only way you could have done that is with somebody else's money. Bingo. You know, or if you built an app and you already sold a business for a million bucks and you've had that to kind of bankroll. You know, my book and course teaches you how to do this from square one with zero dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the world needs. It's actually very similar to my author to authority book because I teach authority marketing, but right from the very basics in the beginning. And it's not about spending money. It's about putting key foundational things in place. And one of them is having a, that well-defined target market. Exactly. And, you know, I practice what I preach. Everything in my book and my course is what I've been doing for Spinner piece by piece, step by step. I don't skip yeah. steps. And when my team asks me, why are we doing this? You know, why are you doing this? It's in the book. It's in the course. It's, I have to follow it step by step. I'm not skipping steps. Yeah. When you, when you skip steps, that's when bad things happen. True. And I think we live in such this instant gratification world that we just want to, you want to skip all the steps. I know I do. I admit it. Sure. I try to find the the way around it. And then I messed it up and I have to go back and do it the hard way. And I've done that a few times now. And now I'm like, uh, I think I'm just going to slow down and do it right the first time because doing it the second and the third time is just not fun. Yeah, it's painful. You know, I always tell my partner because he always wants, you know, this thing and that thing built quicker. And why don't we have this feature yet? And I'm like, I always say, if only I had a genie and I could ask for wishes, I'd snap my fingers and get all this stuff done. But it just doesn't work that way. We got to work step by step. And as frustrating as it is, and as long as that's why I told you earlier, it just takes long. Yeah. So if you're, if you're going to be in business, you got to be okay with the fact that things take time. They just do. You can't get around it until yeah. we have like an AI that can just literally do exactly what you do. For now, we have the, the, the assistants, the, you know, chat GPT and the assistants that help us, you know, for me personally, it's taking like 50% of my workload off my back. Mm -hmm. It's great. But what about the other 50%? I need like an yeah. AI robot next to me. <laughs> <laughs> so until that happens, uh, we're not, we're not there yet. You know, you still got to put in the work. And I think it's important that you do things right. Of course. Again, it's following steps. Mm -hmm. I've had like before, I, I haven't taken clients in a few years because I just got, I got kind of fed up of what you just said. I used to have client after client after client wanting to do things their way. They would always say, I have a billion dollar idea. We're not going to follow your steps. We're going to follow my steps. And they would hire me and et cetera. It never went well. And, and they would blame me, of course. So I stopped taking clients like that and shifted to the clients that would read my book, take my course, and then hire me. And it yeah. always worked every single time, never failed. So why would you skip steps? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. One thing you have to be as an entrepreneur is teachable. You have to be teachable. And I mean, truly teachable, not just, you know, oh, okay, I get this piece of information. Now, I generally tend to be a very self-motivated person. So if someone teaches me something, I'll go do it, you know, and don't really need you to hold my hand unless I can't either A, figure it out or I do it wrong. Right. If you get stuck. I mean, that's why yeah. we're here as mentors, right? We're there to help along. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, I think the people that you work with, they need to be teachable. And they need to be able to to follow the instructions. 
And the one thing I learned with, with working in mentors is sometimes we don't understand why they're, they want us to do the things they do, but they've been down the road. They know every pothole. They know every speed bump. They know every stop sign. And they know where all the traffic is that's going to slow you down to a crawl. And so they, they, they say to you, okay, do this and don't do this. And it may not make sense, but if you follow them, guess what? You'll get the right results. Faster. Yep. Stay in the right lane. <laughs> <laughs> follow the traffic signals. <laughs> so Jason, if people have enjoyed today's conversation, how can they connect with you? I'm on every social media platform. Uh, you can go to my website, jasonsherman.org. And at that point, you can look up all my social media on my website, my podcast, my book, my course. Check out spinner.app, which we just released. It's a video friendship platform. Check it out. I love hearing feedback. Um, look us up on social media. You'll find some really funny videos we've put up. Yeah, you can find me everywhere. I'm very publicly available on every platform. That is so cool. Jason, you did not mention, what is the name of your podcast? Same as the book, Strap On Your Boots. Strap On Your Boots. Awesome. And I have a segment on there called Zero to CEO that's quite popular nowadays. I interview popular, um, successful CEOs and entrepreneurs. I like that. I like that. This was fun, Kim. It was fun. We've got about three minutes. So I want to just ask you a question about the podcast, because sure. did you design the podcast to reach a specific target market or did you just start the podcast and it kind of fell into your target market? So it, it's funny you asked me that. And, and the answer is that it was the exact same target market that my book and my course was reaching. The reason I did the podcast, it's so funny. The course ended, I did it for two years, like I mentioned, and it was, uh, I believe it was 2018. And so 2016, 17, 18, I was doing this course. My book came out in 2015, 16. So those couple of years was all about like getting it out there. But when it ended, people were like, well, we want more podcasts. That's a good thing when That's they tell you they want more. And, and they asked me, I said, you should, you should put together a podcast to continue this. Mm -hmm. Five years later, still doing it. I'm one of those pre-pandemic podcasts. You know, it's funny you say that. I started my podcast November of 2019. Nice. Not knowing what was coming. It was about right? to happen. <laughs> mine, was uh, mine was December 2018. So I, I just kind of leapfrogged about a year and a half before the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, Jason, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Do you have one final thought for the audience today? If I had to leave you guys with one, one final thing is use what is available to you. 20 years later now, there are so many resources you can learn, you can build. Don't wait to try something new. Just jump into it, learn. You have AI, you have the internet, you have open source stuff. Just jump into it, learn as much as you can, collaborate with other people online and build what it, what it is you want to build and get it out there quick. Don't wait, like Kim said, don't try to build every single feature. Just try to put something minimal out there and see what people say. Get feedback and find your market. Awesome, Jason. Thank you so much. This has been Kim Thompson-Pinder and Jason Sherman on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson-Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. 
and many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.